Hello and welcome to episode 893 of The Sleeper and the Bust. It is Thursday, February 11th. I'm your host, Paul Spore, and I'm joined this afternoon by Justin Mason. Justin, good afternoon, sir. I mean, if you say so. I mean, is it a bad afternoon? Kind of is. Yeah, I'm sick right now. Well, I mean, not sick. I'm feeling the effects of the, the second COVID shot. So meanwhile, so you're you're dealing with that. It's freezing rain over here, and I got to take a little shot of the little shot of the vet later. And she has a little bit of a little bit of pain that she's dealing with right now. So we got to get that figured out. So maybe it isn't that good of an afternoon. You know what? Maybe you're right. Yeah, this day sucks. Bad afternoon. This is garbage. Let's uh, let's talk baseball though. Maybe that'll make us feel better. Always does. I was gonna say it's it's. Pretty uh, pretty easy for baseball to bring us back in the mood. And we've got a really intriguing trade here to kick off with. It was just uh, not something that you know was on the radar. It's like one of those that I didn't see a single rumor. Just this was the trade. And it's, uh, it's an Andrew Benintendi deal. And he's going to be going to the Royals in a three-way deal. Mm-hmm. Wherein... Franchi Cordero and uh, Josh Winkowski, coming from the Mets. Winkowski is, by the way, Cordero from the Royals. They're going to the Red Sox. And then the Mets, for their part of it, get uh, Khalil Lee, prospect back from KC. So let's kind of go in order of fantasy relevance, which I think is Benintendi, Cordero, and then maybe Lee. And I actually don't know much of anything about Winkowski if you think he's got some some viability let me know. Mm, yeah, probably um, not. <laughs> let's start with Benny. This was a little interesting from the fact of, wow. Um, you know, they sold Benny kind of cheaply, it feels like. Yeah? Yeah, I mean, it feels like they sold low on him. Like That's what I'm saying. I and mean, it feels like it was a salary dump. Because yeah. he cost 6.6 mil this year. And they get... Like, you know, I'm looking at Winkowski's numbers now. Nothing special in the minors. He's reached high A. Obviously didn't do anything this year except be at the alternate site. Nothing particularly special there. And then um, Franchi Cordero. And it's like... Well, and there's like three players to be named later. Oh, okay. I so, missed that part. But, I mean... It, it's it's restocking the lower levels of their minors. Yeah, so, okay, they'll get two from KC, one from New York. Okay, I glossed over that, pardon me, there. So they're going to get a little bit more volume. But let's talk about Benny, okay? Because he opens with the 2020 season um, in 2017. 20 homers, 20 steals, what I mean by that. A um, little bit left to be desired in the slash line. Well, then he improves the slash line in 2018. Gives back a few homers, 16 homers, 21 steals, but then hits 290 with it. And now everyone's talking... Yo, is he the next Christian Yelich? Mm-hmm. He got that player type that's like good and does a lot of does a lot of really good things, and then can pop into something massive. Well, then he tries to fix some things, tries to power up in 2019. It has the opposite effect. Uh, he goes 13 and 10, and then this year was a total disaster. 14 bad games, and then he was done for the year. So now he's 26, coming off his his you know. Worst effort. I'm not, I don't even want to call it a season. It's not even close. Even, even if you play the full season, it's not a season, let alone 14 games. I mean, this is this is a nothing blip. But 19 wasn't particularly good either. So I guess the the first question to ask is kind of the general one: Where do we currently stand with Andrew Benintendi? I mean, I've been kind of out. Uh, I mean, I I wasn't in on him when everybody was taking him in the second round going into 2019. Yep. Uh, and so, like, I just felt like the price was a little bit overblown, uh, paid dividends uh, by not hurting me in, in 2019. And then, obviously, uh, I was saving him again coming into 2020, and uh, that obviously paid dividends as well. I was down to pick 230. Yeah. And here's and the thing like, I don't think his price is going to go up because of this trade. Usually, oh. we I, I think it might go down, and I, I actually think he probably he may have a little bit more value in Kansas city because Kansas city pushes it on the base paths. They were fourth in the majors last year with uh, 49 stolen bases. And so, I mean, he's going to be, I I would assume he's probably going to be leading off. 
Uh, it, I think it's still gonna be wit. Yeah, I guess. What is? I haven't even checked with roster resource. We got him six right resource. now. Really? Six right okay. now roster resource. Merrifield, Mondesi, uh, Sal Perez, Carlos Santana, Jorge Soler, and then Benny, which fits. I think he could if he's if he's you know the peak Benny. If he's back to 2018, to even 2017, I think he rises in and can could bat second. Mm-hmm. Um, which would be great. Oh, it would be. And feasibly, Mondesi could bat third. I think mm-hmm. they like him enough that they would actually bat him third if he was doing his thing, too. If he's playing like, you know, he can. Not necessarily, he doesn't have to play like the last three weeks when he was a god. But if he's doing well, I, I don't even think they'd necessarily be afraid to bat him third um, and then Perez fourth and, and Santana Soler. But he's going to start sixth right now. He's going to play every single day. They're going to push him on the bases. Um, I don't think that Kaufman's inherently that much worse than Fenway, at least as far as lefties go. Because Fenway's tough on lefty power, mm-hmm. and that's why he wanted to muscle up, Benintendi did, and and try to go for more homers, and it messed with his swing, and it really took him the opposite way, as I mentioned. So, you know, I think I think Park's kind of a neutral situation. Lineup is worse. You know, we're not going to go too far to suggest that anything crazy like that with the star talent at the top of the Boston lineup. Uh, but this is not a horrible group that he's in there you know all those all those five that i mentioned hitting before him are very capable players so this is not a terrible move to pick 230 is he someone that you're open to buying now um and if he lingers down you know 235 240 250 if he if he does trickle down he's got max of 261 would you buy benintendi at this point i mean he would need to trickle down a little bit at least for me to really want to buy in on him just because right now like he's going like right around Lorenzo Kane and Manny Marco and even Ramiel Tapia who I like mm-hmm. and I mean I love Manny Marco Marco has been a target for me yeah, all draft that. season so yep. you've been you've been talking about him consistently if he starts falling into like the Nick Senzel Cole Calhoun Brandon Nimmo area I mean I still love Nimmo and he'll continue to be a target for me but I could definitely see myself ending up with Ben Attendi. Uh, and, you know, that's like the 270 area. Like, I'll take him okay. over Mark Canha. Just on the shot that he returns, you know, kind of goes back to what he was in in 2018, which is, you know, 15-plus home run hitter with, you know, potentially 20, 25 stolen bases if he is allowed to just push it on the bases paths. I'm going to play a little cop-out, which I, I keep you from doing at times to get you a, <laughs> get a strong answer. Um, and say I'm going to go on needs between those two because I, I kind of vibe Kanha. You know, he had that great breakout in 19, but he had done a little something in 18 as well, and he was good in 20 following up the breakout. So I think he's kind of a consistently solid hitter. So if I need a little bit more, I think, power, I'll probably lean toward Kanha. But that speed, I think that's an interesting part that you mentioned right off the top there with Benintendi possibly running a bit more in KC where they just kind of turn loose. He's not some burner, mm-hmm. but – I mean, he's a very effective base dealer. He was 10 for 13 I, in 2019, 21 for 24 in, in 2018. So if he's healthy, I mean, the, the question is health, but you assume that, you know, he passed the physical to, to be traded, that this, you know, that his health is going to be fine heading into uh, 2021. Yeah. I, I mean, it's a really, really good gamble by the Royals. I, I really it's like it. It's not a bad buy low. Yep. Yeah. As somebody that I wasn't super vibing to now uh, buying low on him, you know, we talk about there's a price for everybody. That mm-hmm. goes for the real-life situation, too, yep. of, of teams. And this was a fair price for him. Yeah. I, Let's I move so. on from him and talk about Franchi. Let's move on from Benintendi. We would, there are scenarios where we would draft him. We think he could run a little bit more. Uh, everything else should be solid if unspectacular. On the Franchi Cordero side, going back to Boston, you know he's been a fan favorite uh, among fantasy folks for a while. He's got his pockets of supporters. I know uh, Clay Link, James Anderson over at RotoWire, love him. Uh, it's hard not to see the tools and and you know have that interest. And he's always super cheap in fantasy too, so he's not mm-hmm. even hard to really go for. That said, I. I don't have any real expectations for him at this point. Um, even with just 315 plate appearances in the majors, I'm not ruling out that something could come of it, but I'm not, I'm not uh, 
chasing him. Should be the strong side left fielder at the very least. Do you think Franchi gets to play every day or, you know, every day against righties at the very least in Boston and can, can fuel a breakout or is he just a pipe dream? I mean, are they hoping that he can play every day? Sure. But I, the one thing he hasn't been able to do is play every day. <laughs> so you're really able to play at all. Yeah. I mean, he's got 62 plate appearances in the majors uh, in the last two seasons total. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. Yes. The, he has, power he has speed um i i question what his strikeout rate's gonna be i mean he is a 35 percent strikeout rate uh for a career in the majors now that's you know only in 315 plate appearances because he just hasn't been able to stay on the field but he had minor league major swing and miss issues too yeah. so this is not unexpected for franchi this is kind of in line like he's that he's that super raw toolsy guy that when you see him at his best you know clubbing a homer uh going first to third on a on a hit that a lot of guys won it and then throwing somebody out uh you're like oh my god this guy's a monster you know he does all that in one game mm-hmm. or something Everyone's like holy smokes it's but push bj upton-esque oh yeah but like tail end when bj upton yeah. wasn't really doing anything anymore um if everything came together, maybe he could have that that sort of that sort of vibe as as a BJ Upton in one of his good years. But it's just I don't know, man. And again, it, there's nothing to pay to get him. So you know, three sixty-seven. What's that? Three sixty-seven. So it's not nothing, and that's gonna go up. Like it. So we're talking about he's gonna probably go up. Let's say forty spots so like he's going to be in the oscar marcato area jock peterson in fact since the first of this month mm-hmm. uh, he already is he's okay. right next to franchi's already right next to oscar uh, marcato in fact, know, he's in i gotta between. i gotta set mine to uh beginning it, of february it, yeah it's only four drafts if you do draft champions from february 1st to the 11th so it's a small sample but he's already up there mm-hmm I'm gonna uh, set it from uh from mid February or mid January to yeah just do month to month one eleven to two eleven. Bottom line is though, I think you're right that he's either gonna be at that Mercado level or higher, mm-hmm. and then that does start to cost a little something because I was looking at earlier stuff where he cost uh, he had a price in the four hundreds, but as you said, he's moved, and this will move him up going to Boston. People think he's gonna get the opportunity, although I don't know why you think he'd get a better opportunity in Boston than he was gonna get in KC. So I, I mean, they just, they did just trade Ben Attendee for him. So like, I mean, I, you would think that they would give him. I, run. I think that's less about. I mean, he's I think it is less he's about him than it is about Ben. Less about him and more about getting rid of that money. Which is so weird. That's so I little. I mean, dude, this, this, these teams, man, these rich teams, they're right. playing poor, dude. It's right. yeah, disgusting. We've talked about it all offseason, I know, but it's disgusting. I mean, this is boomer bust. So like. I mean, you know, obviously a completely different player, but, I mean, isn't this the David Dahl argument where, like, you know, when healthy, Dahl is a really, really good fantasy player? Like, Franchi has the ability to be a really good uh, fantasy player. Sure. If healthy, the question is health, and do we take the gamble? Dahl's done something in the majors, though. This is true. I mean, it's all conjecture on. It's a gamble. Yeah. Um, And he just might not be your lottery ticket late. You know, yeah. are you a are you a Josh Naylor guy, somebody who who can possibly hit 25, 30 homers? Mercado, his teammate at, that you mentioned, I think mm-hmm. is a good call out. Sam Hilliard, people still in on him. Give me Akiyama, you know, going at three eighty five. Franchi's going to be near our boy Calhoun, and we're not taking no Franchi over Calhoun. Hell, his new teammate Kike Hernandez is down there. I think I'd rather take a shot on him getting playing time. Mm-hmm. And doing some things. I know he's a little bit older and his numbers are not amazing. But I think part of that for Kike, not to totally change subjects, is disjointed playing time. Yep. I think he he was, oh, you know, he'll get a, a stretch of two weeks where he's playing every day and then he's on the bench back and forth. You know, so I think that's part of what 
robs his numbers. I'm actually eager to see what he can do with a relatively full-time role. But anyway, Franchi, if you steal your lottery ticket, I totally get it. I have guys like this that I stay committed to because they're so cheap. So I'm not out here to, to rain on anybody's parade as far as that goes. Um, let's talk about Khalil Lee, prospect for KC, going over to the Mets now. This was not a bad pickup for their part in mm-hmm. everything. Um, you know, he, he is a legit he is a legit prospect. And I think there is some some upside there to to be mined. Obviously, there's no rush for anything for him to to be in uh, with the, with the Mets, even though he did have a 2021 ETA in last year's list from uh, from Eric Longenhagen. You know, he's got got some raw power, got some got some run and field uh, to him. You know, he's an outfielder. Clearly, is he is a little bit Franchi esque, no? Yeah, he's very Franchi-esque. He's got power to his game. Maybe not as much power yeah. as Franchi. Uh, but also I mean, maybe not as much swing and miss, right? So there's like little gives and mm-hmm. takes that aren't quite Franchi, but there is some Franchi material here. Yeah, I mean, I think he, is, he, he does have quite a bit of swing and miss. Yeah, maybe not quite Franchi-esque, but uh, it is definitely... It takes more walks to counterbalance. But whereas Franchi's a free swinger, yeah, I would say Khalil Lee probably has similar swing and miss, but at least he balances it with some walks, so he can leverage that speed. He had 53 stolen bases in uh, in Double A back in 2019. Although I will say, Eric mentioned in the write up last year, fantasy folks, I'm not betting on that yeah. continuing. Yeah, he's not a burner. So he's he, I think he takes he, advantage. Yeah, more so than than just has raw speed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but I mean, he could be. You know, like a Ben Attendee where he steals 20, you know, 20, 20 plus bases uh, just because he's a smart base runner and opportunistic on the base paths. He does walk. Uh, I mean, this is again, I mean, like every, you know, two or three teams like made out like bandits, it feels like, you know, the the Royals obviously getting Ben Attendee kind of just for nothing really i mean for clue lee who was who hasn't you know made his way up to the majors it's by the fact of like you know just torching uh you know some minor league uh pitching and stuff uh and then clue lee to the mets for a prospect that they got in the steven match trade i was gonna say uh when i went to look for winkowski couldn't even find him because he was on the jays yeah so he was one of the three prospects that the Jays got, uh, or the yeah, the Jays gave up for Stephen Matz. So they pretty much traded Stephen Matz for two prospects and Khalil Lee, which is a pretty nice little haul. Uh, I don't think Lee's going to be up this year at any point. Um, you know, maybe because they don't they don't need yeah him, they don't. You know. um, but he could you know be up next season uh, and be you know a decent part of that outfield. So dynasty leaguers. I don't know if you can necessarily buy low on him or anything, but he's not someone I'm uh, afraid to go acquire even at full cost because I don't think he's going to be overly priced. People will see that 53 stolen bases in 2019 and uh, go a little crazy. but Hopefully they read Eric's write-up because he says be careful about uh, yeah about loving that. Uh, we, we have another move here that I think could, uh, could be very fantasy relevant. And I think you are perfect person to talk to about that to to let us know what you think about its fantasy relevance and that is jake mcgee to the giants (laughs) now mcgee had a hell of a season last year kind of a quiet renaissance and i think perhaps that if it wasn't for daniel bard's brilliant story uh, of comeback that uh that jake mcgee might have had comeback player of the year you know he was coming off well actually 18 was the bigger dud year uh 19 was kind of Meh. But at any rate, he was amazing last year uh, for the Dodgers, of course. 42% strikeout rate, 4% walk rate, wasn't allowing hits. I mean, he was looking not just like vintage because, again, he was so much better than that. Like He never had a 42% strikeout rate with the Rays. Mm-hmm. He was like – it was the best he'd ever looked. Of course, it was also 20 innings, so maybe by the end of the season it had smoothed out. And, and would have looked like vintage Jake McGee. Back to throwing the fastball 97% of the time. Here it is. Hit it. I bet you can't. And guess what? They couldn't. Yep. They couldn't. And um, so 
he joins the mix over there of like 412 potential closers. Does he become the front runner over Reyes Maranta, Tyler Rogers, Matt Whistler, or is he just part of that mix? He is a lefty. Uh, you guys have a couple other lefties. How does it shake out? Is, is this is this a new challenger for the closers role, or is it just uh, a depth arm to to uh, you know strengthen the bullpen, but then solidify one of the other guys as closer? I mean, I don't think there's going to be a solid closer. This is Gabe okay. Kapler, so uh, I think. You know, right now, roster resource has it with Maranta, uh, Tyler Rogers, McGee, and Matt Whistler as the closer committee. Uh, you could probably throw Trevor Gott into that mix as well. Um, I, I don't think that there is, like, I don't think anybody on this team has 15 saves. Wow. Okay. Like, I think there's a bunch That's of guys who have 10. Um, and I don't a bunch expect of guys. Okay. How many wins are you guys going to get? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, we were almost a 500 team last year. I don't I think know. we're going to be a 500 team this year. So yeah, probably but, but the guys like, like seven or eight actually. So I, I really, I, you know, jokes aside, I really don't see like a, a 60 win squad here either. There's there, there is too much veteran talent for you guys to be. It's, I mean, awful. yeah, we're probably a 70 win team. Um, I'd say I said I don't know I, I I think this is close to a 500 squad. Yeah, I don't. I mean, the only thing that helps is the Rockies and Diamondbacks suck. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I expect the Diamond 2019. That's uh, that's what I'm saying. Like 77. Yeah, it could. an outside shot at uh, at 500. That I don't. know. I see that. You know, the whole lineup is like minimum 35 years old. So a bunch of veterans trying to do their thing. <laughs> it's, oh my god! Like this is. Or platoon. Yeah, you this is the four. worst fantasy. Uh, like, like people like all the time talking about how much it sucks to try to like, like draft Rays because everybody's gonna be platooned. Like, yeah. there you you can draft Kevin Gosman and improbably Buster Posey, and I guess Yastrzemski. Yastrzemski, and then that's it. Like, I just. I this I'm is still gonna draft Listella. I know I, he's gonna be a strong side platoon, but I just I like Listella. Yeah, and he might actually play more than just strong side. I mean they I did, they so gave him too. a three year contract. Um it's interesting, they have Longoria I, as I see that the short I side platoon. I don't I don't see that. I think Listella plays second. Well I and Brandon so. Belt's not gonna be ready to start the season. So Oh, okay. That I didn't know. When when did that news come out? Uh, last week, he he's uh, okay, his surgically repaired heel is not progressing uh, very fast, and so there there just, are concerns. I think was the quote that he will I not. Literally be had a pain shoot through my heel when you said that, like mm-hmm. a sympathy pain, because that sounds awful. Yeah, to deal with that. So like that literally sounds brutal. I think you uh, could but, see okay. yeah, Listella maybe even playing first. Yeah, yeah, um, he can play first, and then you know, then Longoria at third, and uh, and I don't think Solano is guaranteed to hold anything. Oh, no. you know, he's thirty three. He's gonna be age thirty three season. You know, Babbitt fueled for the last two seasons. By the way, he had eighty one games of of Babbitt Babbitt fueled greatness um, in twenty nineteen as well. So you add it all up, it's four hundred thirty one plate appearances of a three twenty eight average, sustained by a four hundred three Babbitt. I just think the magic runs out at some point. So I think yeah, Costello could end up essentially being a full-time player. So I still like him. But to your point, there are a lot of moving pieces here. I think you take Yaz, Gauz, and uh, Lestels as as your main guys. And and Posey, like you said, especially two mm-hmm. catcher leagues which you and I play. Posey has to get picked in every one. In a one-catcher league, he might not get picked. He should, though, I think. Um, I actually He's 12? Is he a top twelve catcher for you? It depends on. Uh, I don't think he's top twelve. I actually I have my ranks here, so I can take a look. Uh, I have him fourteen, but okay. there. I mean, it depends on your depth of league. So in yes, a yes. twelve team league, you're probably not taking him. Twelve team one catcher league, you're not probably not taking him. You'll take yeah. the upside on guys going behind him or going in. And then you'll pick him up. If Posey ends up like being solid, yeah. but anyway, we got a little but, far afield here. I meant to talk about real uh, quick though. In, ahead, a, in, a, in a fifteen team league, I actually would take Posey 
um, above some guys with some upside maybe over him because he's going to play every day. Like, he, I mean, yeah. maybe not catcher, but either DH or first base. Like, they're going to, he's going to play. I'm out of that DH. I, I love it. I, I hope you're right, dude. I, I believe I'm right. Um, I, I will clear a path for your victory lap on this one, but I feel like. Yeah. But, like, like Varsho uh, may not start the season in the majors. Mitch Garver may be in a timeshare. Um, you know, uh, you could see guys, you know, other guys going in that same, you know, the. The Marlins have been looking at Wilson Contreras, so you know Alfaro could be out of a job. What we don't know what the workload's going to be for Tom Murphy. I think Buster Posey will accumulate at catcher, which in your deeper mm-hmm. formats, even one catcher has some real value, especially when it comes with batting average, which I think it yep. still will, even if it's not Posey. You know, three hundred batting average. I still think you're looking at like two seventy, two seventy five, and that's very valuable at catcher. And I think what has hurt him in the past has been injuries in terms of like the real power drop off. And I mean, maybe the year off helps him. Supposedly he's in fantastic shape. I I wouldn't, I wouldn't completely discount Posey being good. So maybe he is worth taking in the 12, um, you know, in in the 12 one catcher, if if you believe in him enough. Anyway, uh, there's two other moves here. Uh, One that just happened. And then the other that I forgot to include Um, Marlon signed Adam Duvall. Mm hmm. I don't know if I said it on this show or on my Twitch stream, but I suggested this move for them. And I like when that happens because I don't <laughs> get random moves right very often. I just sometimes throw out random stuff and it worked. I thought this was a solid pickup for them. This is exactly the kind of guy I think uh, is worth getting for them. Quality defender brings some pop. They were lacking some pop, even though they had some guys who can hit uh, for homers. They didn't have enough. And I think bringing somebody like Adam Duvall, who is like a legit 30 home run hitter with good defense, he has flaws, right? He strikes out a lot. He doesn't even walk. He doesn't walk all that much. But I don't know, man. I think I, I feel like he's been a bit underrated um, these last couple of years when, you know, he didn't really get it. He didn't do well in 18, right? That was a disaster year mm-hmm. after his second straight 30 homer season. Um, when he went to that, when he went to the Braves after the trade, he had 57 plate appearances of a minus seven WRC plus. Is that bad? So maybe, the, what's that? Is that bad? This is slightly bad. So maybe they weren't super geeked on using him in 2019. That's why he only got 40, 41 games. But he bounced back, and then this year he was thrust into duty for 57 of the 60 games, and he was very good. Mm-hmm. So again. Plus, he has the defensive piece that goes with his power hitting. So I like this move for the Marlins. Adam Duvall, is he somebody that you'll you'll consider in the uh, in the middle of the Marlins lineup? I think so. I think the defense can help keep him in the lineup every day. Uh, I think it really hurts Garrett Cooper. I think, you know. Uh, uh, which is a bummer, man. I like Cooper. Yeah. And, I mean, Lewis Brinson may not even make this team, my boy. Um, well, he's not very good at baseball, so that's not. How dare you. Or, um, you know, bad or anything. By the way, Duvall down in the range of the Franchi players that we were talking about earlier. So he's in that same range. Yeah, give me Hernandez, Josh Naylor, Duvall, Michael Chavis. I'm taking Duvall all day. Now, he'll yeah. go up a bit because he didn't have mm-hmm. a team, and it was reasonable to think that maybe he wouldn't necessarily find a team before the season started because that's like i said he's just been kind of seen as an extra piece that nobody really wants but now that he's landed somewhere maybe he moves up closer to like um jock peterson uh, justin upton alex dickerson i'm still open to taking him up over that group too because he's going to play every day you know jock has to do all his work against righties dickerson kind of does too and jay up Versus JF versus Duvall, give me the guy who's got the defensive profile who will guarantee his time via that defense. Now, I I don't think Justin Upton is in danger of really losing time. I actually kind of like him on a bounce back season. Mm -hmm. Me too. But between the two, I I would take Duvall there. Um, But I do like Upton. I want to be clear on that. But the other guys, I would take Duvall easily. Peterson and Dickerson, I would take um, Duvall over them. Um. I'm definitely going to take him over Dickerson. I don't know that I take him over Jock. Uh, oh, yeah. And I'm not going to I'm not going to take him over Upton. Okay. Well, well Upton, I can understand because that's a coin toss for me, and I, I'm I'm leaning Duval. Um, but over Jock, I'll challenge that because I think Jock's going to play every day. Um, that that's a bad thing though. 
that that makes his average cap probably like two thirty. Well, I mean, what what's the average on Duvall two thirty? So I mean, I mean he, he has a 233 career, but he's you know he's spiked to 267, a couple 240s there. Again, I think the cap, the ceiling for Jock, if he plays every day, is 230. And whereas Duvall, I think can can spike higher. Plus, I I think what what's the best that we've seen out of Peterson? We saw a 36 homer season, but other than that, he's really been wait. I'm also kind of curious. I, I keep stumbling here because I'm thinking, well, you think he's going to play every day? I just don't see that. Why would they play him against lefties? I think he signed there because they told him he would play every day. I mean, but that, he's like legitimately bad against lefties. Yeah, he is. And I mean, I mean, it's only 300 plate appearances, but because he just has never really gotten the like the full shot to go against lefties, but. Yeah, no, I know it's 385 plate appearances spread out over seven seasons. Yeah. But nothing in here suggests that, like, oh, he just needs time to get it. Maybe like, maybe it's just my love for Jock Peterson. I love Jock Peterson, too, but I'm just trying to be realistic about it. I mean, yeah, 29% strikeout rate against them. I just don't think it's there. He does still have a 9% walk rate, so that's good. He does maintain mm-hmm. that. But I don't know. I almost think that that kind of hurts him. Um I'll, I'll grant that maybe I'm overrating Duvall's average potential a little bit, um, but he only really has the the one ugly season. It was that 2018 when he hit 195. That that was awful. But then 241, 249, 267, 237. I think any of those outcomes is higher than what Jock's going to give you. And if they deliver the same power, give me the guy who's got better average. So I just I, I think Duvall is an easy pick over Peterson. But I understand Peterson yeah. love. I just no, I, I, I mean think, I think it'll lead you astray on this one. Yeah, I mean, and you're probably right that Peterson is better to just not face lefties. Um, man, you look at his stack hat stuff and you go, I really see. <laughs> he could just, like, have a monster season if he, you know, just... Man, I'd love if somebody on that team, like, you know, was a was a hitting guru and, and knew how to unlock something from against... Because I'm with you on the jock love. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm a huge fan. He's great in MLB The Show. There's my reference to MLB The Show. Um, he, he, like, overplays his stats in MLB The Show, so he's very popular in that community. So I love jock, but I just don't see it against lefties, and I, I don't know that he's making a renaissance at, at, at age 29. You know, I will say, though, that the data says that it's, like, an open question still, right? It says, mm-hmm. like, you need like 10 years of data and and all these plate appearances for it to be statistically sound. I grant that. I understand that. But you can also use your eye to look at what we've seen. Mm-hmm. And it's a 191, 266, 310 and 385 plate appearances. I don't know what's going to change. But anyway, I don't want to belabor that. I, I don't think it's egregious that you take Jock. I just think Duvall is a bit better. Uh, but I think that's where he's going to wind up. And with, I mean, uh, in reference to Jock... The Cubs did sign Jake Marisnik today, so that could be the Ooh, platoon be his, partner. Yep. Easily yep, with uh, yeah, with uh, with Jock. So or Hayward. Yeah, we put I mean, it that, for Hayward. We actually, put it for Hayward. So. so, but they also have Philip Irvin on this team, so they both so they could both be could get yeah, soon, yeah. But Hayward's making five billion dollars, so I think I know that that doesn't. How long is that play? Hayward? Contract. But a lot of times it does play. It's three more years, 21, 22, 22. <laughs> oh. Well, Cubs, enjoy your 2022 team built around Jason Hayward. I mean, I will say this. Is he a $22 million guy a year? No. But, you know, by war, he's been 17, 16, yeah, and 14. Still it's a very a- good defensive player. Yeah, and his defense is still carrying, and his offense has been above average the last three seasons. Yeah, eighteen, nineteen, and twenty. And again, fifty game season for him this the past WRC year. WRC plus a one thirty one last year. He was really, really good, hitting well. Now, probably with a smooth back out to you know like a one hundred eight, one ten level over mm-hmm. a course of a full season. But hey, he was playing well. I, I love Hayward too. I got a soft spot for him, so I'm always rushing to defend him. Uh, but one other move that just came across the wire that could have interest <laughs> especially in our depth of league uh it's so rockies it's unbelievable uh they signed greg bird to a minor <laughs> league team. 
Now, again, this doesn't really move the needle all that much, but uh, hey, he had his love. He had mm-hmm. he had his proponents big time for years in New York because he showed some different flashes at times uh, of just excellent power, like legitimately, you know, middle of the order power. Um, like I said, in small flashes, you know, like it, it was like a playoff run one point. It was 46 games in 2015. Now we're going all the way back to there. So I'm not putting a lot of stock in this, but he is 28. He is going to Coors. And like I said, because he's 28, yeah, play him. perfect time for them to pick him up and take, mm-hmm. you know, take take some time away from somebody. Although, um, I thought Josh Fuentes was younger. I didn't know a whole lot about him until Arenado was training. He's 28 as well. Yeah, so we like we talked about some, him on Sunday. Yeah, it's not like they're blocking some uber prospect. So, what do you think, Bird Bones? You're in a lot of these 50 rounders. You giving him any? No, any, he's no. Even a second look? No, nah, he's not on any of my. Going to be on any of my teams? Like it's just Shake it. too scared. I see what you did there Howard. with the bird, right? See, yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah, no, I mean, he hasn't had a batting average above his own weight since 2015. <laughs> so, like, I mean, yeah, his highest batting average since 2015 is 199. His highest batting average. And you're suggesting on this show that that's bad. <laughs> he's got power like he and you know maybe yeah. the you know babip adjustment you get in cores from having that huge outfield helps him out like he's definitely little, but he, it, it, it can't make a player i mean we've no. seen it with like ryan mcmahon and garrett hampson like you know if you needed any more proof which you shouldn't because it's been proven many moons ago but Coors cannot make a player it can, yeah. it can it can help an individual season quite a bit but it cannot make a player year in year out um, to, you know, unless they have the talent to be good. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's just I don't think it's ever gonna happen. No, I'm, he, I'm with you. He, I'm he's with you. I just he's, to bring he's a guy you monitor in the minor leagues because he's probably not even making the opening day roster. He's he's true. Probably going down to AAA, and if he's crushing in AAA, though, I mean, they, what are they? Do they where are they playing now? Is it Albuquerque? I don't think it's. Yeah, I think I think it is. I don't think it's it's not Colorado Springs anymore. I think Colorado Springs was actually dumped mm-hmm. to like a ball because people didn't want to play there because it was so wild. Um, yeah, I think Albuquerque is correct, which is it's a launching pad in itself. So yeah, PCL um, anywhere is going to be. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's a guy you throw a few bucks on if you think he's coming up uh, in like a deeper league or something like sure. that, but. I, I mean, I have no expectations for Greg Bird, which which is yeah, consistent, you, you, which where I've been on him his entire career, forever. Yeah, you you can watch list Greg Bird, but I wouldn't even get cute with in a fifty rounder. I don't think I, I don't really see it. All right, let's get back into some pitching here. Uh, keep going down our starting pitcher list here because we're still in a, in an area with a lot of intrigue. Like there's still some some guys who will who will you know make or break seasons. Uh, if they if they go the right way, I guess that would be make if they go the right way or break if they if they go the wrong way. Let's start with Zach Eflin out in Pittsburgh. Is he going to build on on his little twenty breakout? Right, because that's the thing when you when you take in these tiny seasons, you can't put too much stock into them. So you can say, okay, a little, it's a little it's a little stair step. Can he build on? It? It's a stepping stool. Is it a stepping stool to more because he shot up his his. Uh, Strikeout rate by 11 points to 29%. Kept his already strong walk, walk rates. In fact, shaved it down a smidge from the decimal doesn't matter, but from 6.8 to 6.1. So, you know, he's still in that 6%, 7% range, which is great. Um, home runs still an issue at 1.2, but down from 1.4 back in 2019. Don't know that that's enough to be like, oh, he improved his, his home run rate. But he wound up with a 350 Sierra on a 397 ERA and 127 whip. And we saw flashes in 2019 too, and he just couldn't couldn't be consistent. Eflin had some major blow-up starts. Do you see anything from the 20 that says, hey, there's there's a corner turned here, or was it a hot, you know, 59-inning run of standard Zach Eflin, kind of the way that I feel like uh, Teoscar Hernandez's breakout was just kind of a hotter stretch of Teoscar Hernandez that would have smoothed out over the course of, of a full season. Do you see that for Eflin or do you see it as a stepping stone into something big for 2021? I think, I mean, I don't know that he's going to have like this massive breakout, but 
like this is oh, this is a little bit of uh definitely not in the same way but Lance Lance Lynn remember when he got traded to the Yankees and all of a sudden yep. he made a few changes and then he was really good and nobody noticed yes well, because it, uh he got blown up a little bit but the mm-hmm. core skills were disgusting he put up like um yeah, 61 strikeouts, 14 walks in 54 innings, but he had a 414 ERA and 133 whips, so everyone kind of just glossed over it. Yeah, I mean, since the beginning of August in 2019 through, you know, all of last season, he's been really, really good. 356. Eflin has, your saying. Yes, Eflin has. 356 ERA, um, you know, uh, almost a strikeout inning. This is 108.2 innings over 18 starts and I think uh, okay. four relief appearances. Uh, you look at the the values on the the curve and the fastball. Um, they're they're you know plus and the sliders actually plays about average. I'm kind of buying into a little bit. Okay. On this, I haven't gotten him anywhere yet, uh, but yeah, I am. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of buying that this is uh, a little bit of a concrete change. You know, you look at the hard hit percentage under 25% uh, last season, uh, does a really good job of limiting hard contact, getting D.D. Gregorius back, Um in that infield, I think it's going to help too with his, you know, almost fifty percent ground ball rate. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I don't think he's a guy who's necessarily going to like take a big step forward, but I don't see any reason to believe he can't repeat what he did last year or improve on it a little bit and be like a yeah. mid threes guy. Yeah, I take a full season of like a, a three seventy out mm-hmm. of Afflin if you think it's in there. Um, you know, he did. He's thrown ninety four now uh, for three years, pretty consistently with the fastball. So that's pretty nice. You know, I do, definitely think there there are some factors here. He's got a deep arsenal. He's a little bit of a kitchen sinker because mm-hmm. uh, both the slider and curve are only at fourteen and thirteen percent respectively, and that that allows him to throw the changeup and cutter at six percent each. So again, it's it's a it's a lot of different things. He hasn't really settled in on a secondary arsenal, but maybe that's something that develops a bit more. Or maybe just throwing the kitchen sink at him with all these different pitches, mixing and matching is what's working. I haven't studied Eflin enough to to have a definitive thought on that. But um yeah, you know I think there's a I think there's something here. I rank, and his price is certainly not expensive. Go ahead, I'm sorry. I ranked him seventy third. And that seems way too low. His his command plus last year was one fourteen, right? That's, t- that's nice. Tied with Kyle Hendricks in uh, Hinjin Ryu. That's nice. And in front of Jacob Degrom. I'm pulling up mine to see where I where I got him. I have he, he's he's gonna raise. I got at sixty four. I, I I'm gonna go back and watch some games. Uh, since I'm, I think I'm gonna be bedridden after this podcast. Uh, <laughs> so maybe I'll just throw on some games on the TV uh, from last year, and maybe even see if I can do some from 2019, like late in the season. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually really, really intrigued now. Um, a guy that I know other people have been talking about uh, in the industry, but not someone I necessarily had dug super deep into, but. Uh, kind of eager to see that August 29th decimation of Atlanta. That's a strong club. Mm-hmm. Seven innings, one run, four hits, eight punches, no walks. The one run was a solo. Um, decimated Washington late. I know Washington was not elite by any stretch, but they had some good. They've got good players. Um, yeah, you know, a handful handful of good players, and he kicked kicked their butt. So o- only allowed what one, two, three, four, five, six, seven walks in his last eight appearances. And, you know, as far as the home run rate, this is where game logging mm-hmm. is useful. Three against Boston, three solo shots. Like, that three is doing a lot of work. He and three against Washington. Oh, wait, sorry. that's I have 2019 up as well. Sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So this was um, September 8th against Boston. Mm-hmm. He, you know, he gave up three. And, uh, like I said, but they were all solo shots because he doesn't walk guys too. So that really helps with even with a, a shakier home run rate for Zach Eflin. So I think the bottom line is, I don't want to go in circles on him. We kind of like him here. We're, we're intrigued. I think I might try to watch a couple games too. 
don't tell me which ones you're watching. Maybe we'll watch different ones mm-hmm. and we'll reconvene on Tuesday. I'm, gonna, yeah. I'm actually going to make a post-it note to yeah, I'm doing the same. watch some Eflin. I'm doing it live. Plus, he's got watch. such a fun name to say. Zach Eflin. Mm-hmm. He's Eflin excellent. Watch Eflin starts. I think I'll be doing those over the weekend myself. All right, cool. Well, there we go. We gave ourselves homework. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's move on to the next guy. Uh, well, we've done a lot of homework on uh, over the years because we've been up and down. Um, didn't he punch one of your pets or he did? Children? Yes, Uncle Pineda. <laughs> one year you ranked him like seven thousand four hundred and twelve. <laughs> it was uh, it was a year where people were really hyping him. Yes, um, and you were like, I don't. And think so. I accidentally. Um, I, I did like a sort on my, my spreadsheet and it, it threw the, like the bottom guys in my top, uh, 150, uh, kind of out of whack a little bit. And I ended up accidentally ranking him 121. And the first comment was, uh, did Michael Pineda punch Justin's dog in yeah. the face or something? Cause Fair I don't question. get, yeah. Uh, because it ended up skills, being right. <laughs> the skills have always been there. Mm-hmm. Um, like even when the ZRA was approaching five in 2016, 482, um, he had a 340 Sierra. The core skills, like he's been one of those guys that, you know, for anybody who wants to push back on on strikeout minus walk rate and swinging strike rate not being everything, which nobody's suggested that they are. They are mm-hmm. the core components. But they would point to Pineda and say, hey, look at all these numbers he's put up. He still gives up too many hits, too many homers. I think. He is definitely somebody who could stand to walk more guys. I, mm-hmm. I've watched so much of him. I he, know he refuses to give in. in yeah, and, uh, he no, he gives in all the time. Is what he does. <laughs> he gives in in pitchers and hitters counts. Yeah. and gives hittable pitches. Yeah. to give up those bases. I, I mean, he's, he's just he refuses to walk guys. Is, yes, you know, yes. he refuses to just say he goes. Hey, I'm going to beat you with this pitch, and then lays one right over the center. And it's like, no, dude. You try to beat them in a deep count. You try to beat them with something, you know, s- some slider running away. And and if they take it, cool. Restart. Because you're a strikeout guy. Uh, you can get a strikeout on the next. You know, it, it, it's frustrating. He's been a maddening watch. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, 26 and two-thirds this year. You only got five starts. I believe he was finishing off a PED suspension. Yes. Is that correct? Okay. So it was an injury that kept him out. But he came back and he was good again. You know, everything was right back in order. In fact, you know, 26 and two thirds, but didn't allow a single homer. Very un esque of him. Obviously, that will not last. But what do you think here with Pineda? He's still only 32. I feel like he's been in our consciousness for 13,000 years. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he debuted back in 11, so it's not too off. Uh, you know, out of bounds to suggest that he signed back in 2006 when he was 17. So he's been around for a while. He was a big prospect too. Yeah, he was but the Pineda big. This, he was the piece of that uh, uh, Jesus Montero trade. Correct, correct. And that was a huge deal at the time. Um, you know, stud for stud. And you know, Pineda did pretty well for the for the Yankees, and obviously Montero did nothing for Seattle. But where do you, where do you come out on him at 32 with these core skills? Is he more of the same, which is solid? if unspectacular and massively annoying, or is there something better here? Can he, can he finally kind of put it all together? Uh, he is still with Minnesota, by the way, for those that, that are unfamiliar and he'll be right there in the middle of that rotation behind Barrios and, and Maeda. So what, what do you think? What do you think of Pineda? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I think he is a guy that makes mistakes. Like we said, with, with locating, especially deep into counts, uh, and it, you know, ends up going over the fence. I haven't seen necessarily anything to suggest that that is going to change for him. I, I, I need to go and watch what he did in those five starts down the stretch. On the plus side, in spite of the fact that, you know, he didn't, you know, throw his first pitch uh, in a game until September 1st, they let him go six and seven innings in his first two starts. Uh, and even, you know, I mean, went four and two thirds in his third, five in his fourth, and then four in his, uh, his last start, uh, but got in some trouble in, in both of those starts where he didn't make it to five. I think the twins need him to go deep into games. And I think it's he's going to throw 160 innings this I year. I totally agree. 
If he's healthy, I think he could throw even more. I think he could mm-hmm. feasibly push 170, 175 as long as he's healthy, which yeah. has been part of his issues uh, as well. Sure. But, you know, he did make 26 starts in, in 2019. Um, and, and again, wasn't out because of health this year. It was it was a PED suspension. So, yeah, I, I totally agree with you. It's their last year, too. What are they going to do? You know, mm-hmm. protect him for what? Um, not that they were going to, you know, purposely try to hurt him, but I think they're going to try to maximize their innings from Pineda in Minnesota and and push him and say, hey, you know, you, you can be our guy out here. And if you're not giving up homers at a huge clip, then we're going to be able to get six innings out of you damn near every start. Yeah. And I mean, it's not a great bullpen in terms of length. And so I think, yeah, I think they're going to want him to try to go five, six innings each time. And, you know, yeah, I think he's uh I mean, I don't expect to see him, you know, be a sub for ERA guy, but I think he could be a low four ERA guy with like a 120, you know, 120 ish, maybe 125 ish whip, uh, a good amount of strikeouts. Um, and he, where he's going, it's not necessarily a great price, but it's not a bad price. We're, we're talking about him going in the Eduardo Rodriguez area, which I've said, like, I'm not going to touch Rodriguez until I see him on a mound, but Sean Manaya, like, uh, I think you can make an argument to take the gamble on Pineda. Definitely not someone I want to be overexposed to, so if you're not playing in a lot of leagues, you may not want to do it, or if uh, you definitely want to, don't want to take him in a lot of leagues. Uh, but I think he's, I you know, I've forgiven him for punching my dog. <laughs> yes, I like that. I like that. I think that's fair. And yeah, the price, the price is absolutely, is absolutely right. Um, down here where you're not really getting hurt by Pineda. And I think that was, you know, maybe one of your pushbacks that year that you did rank him low was like you said, everyone was kind of pushing him up. He was, he was definitely higher than 235, mm-hmm. um, which is where he's living down here. So we like Pineda. I could take a shot. I, I could definitely see myself putting him on a roster. Uh, no problem. And if things do kind of go the wrong way, you cut him. No yeah, the hard part is he's going in front of other guys I I really like, like, you know, um, or have, like, extremely high upsides. Mm-hmm. So it seems unlikely I'll probably end up with him. Like, you know, I mean, you know, I know you, you and I disagree on Dane Dunning, but I like Dane Dunning, and he's going 20-plus yeah. picks later. Nate Pearson, uh, who I think we're about to talk about anyways. Um right. You know, I like him. It could be a why not both type of deal, though, too. Yeah. You can go to Pearson. You get a veteran who you feel like can get a, a good stable of innings versus uh, a flamethrowing prospect who you have no idea about, but you like the upside of, which I agree with, by the way. You should be interested in Pearson. His price is not over the top. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's fair. I think there are scenarios where you can end up with both. But if you pass him for somebody, that's totally understandable, too. I just think that he's he's not a guy I'm taking off my draft list, which I've done Bingo. with him in the past. Bingo. And that's kind of what that's kind of the point I was getting to. So I, I agree with that totally. All right. Who's a better injury buyback? And I, I would have paired Chris Sale with one of the TJ guys, uh, but they're going a, quite a bit later. Yeah. Weirdly, he's like separated himself from Severino and Syndergaard and I. I, I don't understand that, uh, but Paxton is right by him. So give me, we'll go Sale and Paxton. I know Paxton doesn't have a team, and that will change some things when he does land. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as it is right now, they are one pitcher apart. Or Nate Pearson's in between them. So you're going to go Chris Sale or, or James Paxton, and I'm not going to let you have IL spots. I'm going to say in NFBC. in NFBC. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be Paxton in in that scenario. Um, just because. The chance that Paxton is pitching opening day is pretty good, and the chance that Chris Sale is pitching uh, opening day is zero. I mean, there's a chance literally he's, zero. Yeah, he's, yeah, there's a chance he's not pitching like the first day after the All Star break. So, uh, I mean, I love the core skills, obviously, on Chris Sale, and if I knew he was going to be here opening day, we could conceivably talking about whether or not he should be going in the top 15 pitchers. But the Red Sox have nothing to play for. They're they're not going to compete this year. Uh, and so, like, and they've got Sale locked up long term. Why the hell would they push him at all this year? And I think I've rostered Sale in a couple 50-round draft and holds. 
and I kind of regret doing it, largely because even when Sale does come back, like maybe he is a boost to my pitching staff, but do we really expect him to go five innings every start, or will yeah. the Red or, Sox or be Sale? You know, yeah, himself? Red Sox may just say, "Well, we're going to let you go out and do three innings here, and just yep. you know keep your arm strength, you know, building up." And that way, in 2022, when maybe we're trying to be competitive again, you're good, or we can trade you. Are they? They're not delusional enough to think like they're kind of decent, are they? I think the Benintendi trade says no. Yeah, no, I don't. They, they I don't, know where they're. I, at. I I think they know exactly what. Heimbler knows what's up. Yeah, I I think this is more of a a reload than a rebuild. Yeah, because they have too much veteran talent, mm-hmm. you know, with Bogarts, uh, JD, and even Devers. He's twenty four, but he's been around for a while. For Dugo, he's twenty five, so you know they've got him already kind of working th- into his prime. So I they, think they're they marking. I think they're marking twenty twenty three as their their next, you know, the beginning of their next window. Uh, it seems like a lot of teams, and we've seen this recently with some of the way some of these contracts have been. Uh, kind of set up, uh, especially like the Bauer uh, contract, and we saw with Walker Bueller's uh, contract, uh, ARB agreement. I think teams are starting to get a little afraid of whether or not there will be a lockout in 2022. Yep. And so, I'm yeah. afraid of that. <laughs> yeah, me and you both, buddy. Yeah, that's that's pretty nerve-wracking. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm with you. You know, no reason to push sale. Uh, Paxton, there was a little news on him today that looks like he's seeking north of 11 mil, a, a number that is uh, particularly interesting because that's what Kluber got. And so I think that's why, again, that's yeah. why that's the specific headline there is that that he's trying to get more than Kluber. And I don't think that's And that's what Smiley got as well. Yeah, I, and I, I don't think that's unfair for him to be asking for more because, um, you know, with Kluber, he's uh, coming off two missed seasons. Paxton's really only coming off the dud twenty twenty, but he was he was very good in, in twenty nineteen, mm-hmm. uh, albeit for just one hundred fifty and two thirds. But that's kind of who he is. He's a one hundred fifty inning guy. So, yeah, I think Paxton is fair to be asking for maybe a little bit more there. Twelve thirteen mil. We'll see who gives it to him. He's going to sa- sign somewhere. He's who I'm taking as well. But truth be told, until he lands, I'm not taking either of them. I've taken Paxton already a few times, and I'm okay with it. I I mean I'm pretty sure he is going to sign. Uh, in the workout that he did, he was reportedly uh, hit 94. Uh, I I think that um, you or I kind of talking about this off air briefly uh, before we start recording. Um, you know, there's talk that teams may be kind of waiting to sign guys until after they can put other guys on the 60 day uh, IL and kind of yes. so they don't have to burn a 40 man roster uh, spot. I think he's one of those guys that signs. Probably for eleven or twelve million dollars, uh, as soon as that happens. Um, and I, I tell you what, I'm flip flopping. You sold me because not only that, the other factor that you didn't mention that I think you probably would have, his price will go up when he signs. So you're right. Yep. Draft James Paxton now if you believe in him. I do believe he's going to sign. So if I'm confident in all that, why wouldn't I take him? You're, you're dead ass right. I'm in. He's so. been a top twenty pitcher recently. Like, no, he's he's a monster. Like yeah. when he's healthy, and I know that 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 when is a big win or, or if if you will, um, but he's a monster when he's when he's right. And even this past year, when he was awful in twenty and a third innings, he still had twenty six strikeouts. Yeah, nothing else went right, and he still had twenty six strikeouts. So James Paxton is a monster sale. I don't mess with any guys in their TJ return year. I got no interest in any of those three, by the way, Severino, Syndergaard, and Sale. Not for this year. Nope. Next year, can't wait. And I'll, I'll be rooting for them this year. I hope they do well. Severino is one of my but, favorite pitchers, you know, in baseball, and so is Syndergaard, and so is Sales, for that matter. So Yeah, yeah. I, I, I dig all three, but the volatility when you come back from TJ mm-hmm. is so severe that I just don't want to deal with it. Well, uh, and all right. they're all on teams like that. I mean, outside of Sale, like, you know, Syndergaard and well, Yeah, the other the two Yankees, are on com- competitors yeah like they're you know they're they have too... to be smart yeah exactly no I, I totally agree there like they have to be really smart about not just you know giving up wins right mm-hmm. everyone's gonna especially in that al uh, in that nl east i mean the al east is tough too but the nl east seems like an even bigger bear if they were doing the segments again the east would be 
terrifying. Yeah. Um, if if your NL East guys also had to face Rays, Yankees, Jays, buy all the hitters and fade all the pitchers. Right. I I, I, I agree there. Uh, we we briefly mentioned Nate Pearson earlier. You said we'd be getting to him, and you were right. Flame throwing prospects going near each other. Nate Pearson, Michael Kopech. Michael Kopech coming off of TJ a while ago, but then opted out this year, didn't really want to ramp it up. Was also dealing with a little bit of, you mm-hmm. know, personal stuff, trying to get his mind right and everything. And I really hope that goes well. You know, that's stuff that we just, we forget every once in a while that these guys are humans, right? And they don't just go out and produce stats and everything's fine. Sometimes they're dealing with shit. And so I really hope that everything's good with Kopech on that front because that's most important. And frankly, if it's not, he won't be able to succeed, right? Like they go hand in hand. If you're if you're just not where you need to be mentally, it's going to impact your ability to perform. So I hope he's there because he's an electric arm and he was fun to watch in that little debut there before he got hurt. Meanwhile, Pearson debuted last year. We saw the flame throwing. Um but we also saw the the trials and tribulations of being a flamethrower. He w- struck out 16 in his 18 innings, but he also walked 13 and uh, gave up five homers and, and 12 earned runs, 15 runs in total. He's lucky that there was some shaky defense behind him or that 60 RA could have been higher. So neither has really done anything. They're both question marks, but the talent is sky high uh, for both. Kopech's 24, Pearson. Oh, they're both age 24 season. So who do you got? Pearson or Kopech? Give me Pearson. And, okay. you know, I, I know that, you know, he missed some time too and that people are concerned that like a Tommy John or something might be coming. There's obviously that risk, especially with a guy that throws that hard and I think was dealing with some forearm issues in season. But he came back, finished really strong through an inning in, a, uh, in two-thirds against the Orioles, uh, looked electric, and then went and had ju- – and had – um, a, a postseason appearance where he didn't allow a base runner. Uh, yeah. I feel like this is one of those situations that we talk about often with prospects where everybody's so stoked on a dude and then they don't deliver in their first, you know, go around. Now, now people are, are fading them. And uh, the price is, is really, really good. And yes, there is yep. a chance that the elbow blows up. Uh, and so you definitely want to limit your risk. Elsewhere, this is if where you take that chance, though, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's pitcher ninety-eight right now. Yeah, uh, and that includes uh, relievers, by the way. But p- pick two fifty-seven, uh, going as late as the three hundred something, you know. And I love you brought it up. We talk about it all the time about prospects. I'm doing an article uh, that I'm working on. It's going to be a big one, so it's going to take a little while uh, to go thrift shopping for prospects. And I'm looking at the guys who were, you know, top of the scale. Everyone loved them. They were overdrafted for a year. Uh, or two, they didn't perform, and now they're dirt cheap. And I'm going to go position by position and identify those guys because now this is the time to be getting them. It's fun to get the shiny new toy and to be on the guy, you know, be on Vlad before he hits, and you say, you know what, I drafted him that first year, and that's great, and I did it too. So I'm not, I'm not shading anybody, but overall, we know that that's those are bad bets, mm-hmm. right? Like, yes, sometimes it's Acuna, but then sometimes it's Vlad, and overall. I think it ends up being a worse bet than to, to go for it. But now is when you get them, right? Now mm-hmm. is when you stack them, stack them up in these 50 round draft and holds. You get three or four of them and they pan out to where they were supposed to be, but you paid nothing for them. So I like Pearson a lot. Uh, give me your thoughts on Kopech. You, you're picking Pearson over him. Uh, do you have concerns about Kopech or do you just really love Pearson? I do have concerns. Both? I do have concerns about Kopech. I love the talent. And I think if his head is right and he is focused on baseball and there have been some reports that his head is in a better space now and that the White Sox are uh, expecting him to be with the team uh, when they open up or when pitchers and catchers report next week. And if that's the case, I will definitely move him up in my ranks. Uh, But there was a lot of talk after he opted out that he might retire. I know. Yeah, which was like, what? Yeah, and that is scary to invest a pick in a guy you're going to literally get nothing from. Um, I ranked him at 126 um, in my ranks, but I could conceivably move him up 40-plus spots if he yeah, is got, pitching. Yeah, I 79. Um, so, I mean, the talent is absolutely insane, um, but... 
yeah, there is some risk if you're drafting in the next week or so uh, before we, we see whether or not he shows up for camp. I got him a good bit higher than Pearson. I'm definitely changing that yeah. aspect. I'm going to bring them closer and flip Pearson ahead of him. I will I will do that. But I'm, I'm not as out on Kopech. I understand the concerns 100%. I totally get that. Um, I think here, though, at, at this draft spot, it's it's worth taking uh, a gamble on on this kind of arm talent. And, you know, similar to – a little different, but similar to when guys sign somewhere and their price goes up. Once we kind of see if he's going to be there and ready to go uh, for Kopech, I think his price will will rise. So if you do love him – Getting him now makes a lot of sense um, because I, I think it, it would be set for a jump if, if everyone sees him in spring and he's and he's throwing a hundred, you know. Yep. So you got to be careful on that too. But uh, all right, we're gonna wrap it up here. We're up, a, up against it a little bit time wise, and I gotta take shard of the vet. Hopefully everything's all right. I think it will be, but you know, it's never fun to take your dog to the vet. Meanwhile, I hope you feel better from the uh, from the second shot of the vaccine. It, it's a range, you know, everyone has different experience. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you're getting some of it. It's supposed to only be a day, though. I haven't done it, so I'm, I'm not trying to speak as yeah, an authority. I, I've heard anywhere I've heard. from one to three days. Um, you get the, the low end. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's not uh, that bad. I'm just, my brain is fried and I, I'm drained, so I apologize if I stumbled over my words at all today. I fully expect to be back on Sunday uh, with Jason, and we've got uh, John... Uh, or at MLB Moving Average coming on and Ooh, making his sleeper in the bus debut. And he is uh, one of the most exciting fantasy analysts out there, if you've never heard his work. Yes, you should definitely check that out. Well, again, feel better, get some rest, and we will talk, uh, you and I will talk Tuesday, but enjoy the Sunday show as well. All right, take it easy.